You're listening to Everyday Saints, a podcast from the Melbourne Anglican. I'm your host, Kiralee Nicole. My aim is to feature the stories from those of all different backgrounds in Melbourne and beyond. These stories, they might make us laugh, they might make us cry. My hope is that hearing a diverse range of stories will bring us closer together and better equip us to care for one another. So, without further ado, we hope you enjoy. The person I'm speaking with today is someone who, though quite young, has a lot of ambition for what they would like to do with their faith. Lauren Rater is from Melbourne. She grew up in a missionary family who worked with CMS and InterServe in Pakistan. She studied to be a paramedic, but then switched gears, went to Bible college and is now pursuing overseas mission. During this year, she'll be spending time at the Church Missionary Society's Mission Training Centre, known as St Andrews Hall, and she has hopes to head to West Europe on mission. I got to speak with her recently. Hope you enjoy our chat. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Lauren. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So you're in Philadelphia at the moment, is that right? I am, yeah. So my brother lives here. Um, oh, my family's my mom's from America yep um, and then my brother's been living in Philly for about eight years so all oh, right okay he yeah. just got married a year ago and I barely know his wife so I figured I'd get to know her in a really intense way of spending a couple of months living with them <laughs> that is that is a big commitment <laughs> yeah yeah no I all I really know about Philadelphia is um from the office so there mm. you go that's that's really my own. It's a great chat. So yeah. I'll I'll take it. It's a really nice city. Like they I feel like it's a bit like Melbourne in its like foodiness and its activity. Um but it's got a lot of history as well. Like it's kind of where a lot of the founding father kind of stuff happened. A lot about Benjamin Franklin and stuff like that. So yeah. George okay. Washington has like Valley Forge is where a big part of um the independence war happened and things like yeah, that I think. interesting yeah okay that's fascinating um I'm already curious given that you are half American um mm. and you're visiting family there at the moment but can you give me a little bit of background on your on you and your journey of faith I'm curious mm. tell me yeah tell, where, where do you come from and what's your what's your faith background been like my faith background kind of um, I guess starts a couple of generations ago. Thankfully, I come from a really um, faithful family, not just in terms of knowing the stuff and teaching it, but actually like having a real love of God and knowing his grace. Uh, so my grandparents, my mom's parents were missionaries in Pakistan many, many years ago. And she grew up there. Uh, so she was a missionary kid and her family was American. So that's where the American comes from, but it's very slight American in many ways. Um, And my parents actually met in Pakistan. So my dad went to be a missionary in Pakistan and met my mom. And so then together, um, after they were married, they headed back onto the mission field. And that's where I was born. So born into a missionary family, half American, half British Australian, um, Sure. whole mix of things 
And yeah. I think the one thing that um, kind of was the most identifying about the family wasn't our nationality, but was our faith. Um, and so growing up, um, I, yeah, had parents that really wanted to show me what the love of Jesus was and wanted to live that out. Um, that was their job. So I knew how much it meant to them. And um, also grew up, my dad was a Bible college lecturer. So I felt like he was very skilled in kind of being able to handle tough questions um, and welcoming that and growing up with a bunch of other passionate people um, in the students at the college. Uh, so yeah, I don't think there was a time when I didn't know God because I just was always surrounded by people that loved him. Um, and it really helped me to understand how to love him and what his love meant. But yeah, that kind of developed with age. Uh, there's a stage when you actually understand what grace is and why it matters um, and things like that. So Yeah. So just a quick question, if you don't mind, um, mm. what, what agency were your parents with and what were they doing in Pakistan? Uh my dad initially went with CMS, which is the organization that I um, am currently in the process with. Um, and then when they returned to the mission field together, they went with an organization called InterServe, uh, which um, CMS is much more kind of Australian English-based. InterServe has, I think, a bit of a broader um, realm. And so it kind of helped that, I think like one of my uncles is with InterServe as well. Um, so it's got a nice wide net um but yeah I mean we kind of grew up my sister went on the OM ship um which is a mission ship operation mobilization um that sells books and uh we went to camps where there were all these missionaries from different agencies so I kind of feel like I know a few different ones and it's a fun club to be a part of <laughs> yeah and so you mentioned your dad was a is a Bible college lecturer. What was your mum doing there? Uh, mum was a mother, uh, right. which is a pretty yeah. big role to play. Um, yeah. I mean, she, she'd grown up in Pakistan, so she knew the language pretty well um, and wanted to kind of get alongside other women in the community. But it was a really hard time for her. I think um, there's kind of, they've done studies or whatever that say that um the kind of people on the mission field who feel the most fulfilled and the least fulfilled it ends up that single women can feel the most fulfilled and married women feel the least and i think that part of that for the married women is this tension of wanting to do the work but then also wanting to minister well to your family um and feeling the burden of that more than the husband often does and um especially through history and tradition um yeah so she definitely took has continued to take the responsibility of wanting to be um a mother very seriously and has done an incredible job uh so yeah she hasn't worked for money much at all um during the lives of her children um but she's always been um intentional in her mentoring and getting alongside people and she's um incredibly gifted in artistry and stuff she, so she often uses that as an angle but honestly I was two years old when we came back to Australia okay. so yeah. I don't have memories of kind of seeing what it was that either of them mm. were doing over there 
That's really interesting because you came back when you were two years old, but you're now planning to go out with CMS and we're going to kind of look at some of that. Did did that sort of start a spark in you, the fact that you were there or your parents were there? Um, I think I think it's more been the culture of my family and the so we've always been um, aware of the world beyond our own borders um, and the need of the gospel for the whole world. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not planning on heading to Pakistan, but place is where I was born, but it doesn't really have a warm um, nostalgia in my heart. Um, but yeah, I don't, I also don't feel especially like I need to live out my life in Australia. Um, it's a great country, a really easy country to live in, but my family's also like super comfortable with me heading off. And so I think, um, yeah, an understanding of the need for the gospel to be taught uh, abroad is what I've grown up with. But also if I say to my family, hey, I'm thinking of going overseas to do that, it's not at all a roadblock that I need to get over or something that I need to explain to them. Like it's part of the culture of our family. So, hmm. yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about you. Young Lauren came back from Pakistan at two years old. I'm sure had a few mm-hmm. years, a few years there of just sort of being a, a toddler and then a child. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, what did you end up doing? How was uh, what was your schooling experience like? And when what like how did your faith kind of get shaped through that and through your um, your uni experience as well? Mm, that is a great question. Um, and I wish I had a greater memory to be able to recount some big moments through my teenage years. But uh, so we moved back and lived in Sydney for a few years. Um, and when I started school, I was just at a public school there, um, but it was right near the Bible college. So although like almost everyone in my class wasn't a Christian at the same time, I felt like I kind of owned the space because it was like two doors down from where I lived and my three older siblings had gone there and so it wasn't weird for me to kind of be a Christian in that place um and yeah uh then when I was 10 we moved to Melbourne and that felt very different because I didn't know the space at all I didn't know the people at all uh but we did move into a Bible college community and it wasn't as strong as the one we had in Sydney but um, there were aspects of it that still provided a security for me and in going into a new school and making new friends. But I think that those last couple of years in primary school and then as I headed into high school um, at a small independent Christian school, I don't think I ever sunk into the community and those friendships as much. I think um, somehow as a kid, I always kind of just knew that they would be more transient relationships and I needed them for a season but didn't (laughs) intend to hold on to them for that long which sounds really terrible and um, there probably is something terrible about that but also probably protected myself going through different transitions. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a very common experience I think for third culture kids Um, I mean my husband's a third culture kid and he's Mm. 
it's he's described it as either you go really really deep or you don't go deep at all and you just kind of make that judgment call and you just sort of Mm. move on (laughs) so it sounds it sounds like it's a very in many ways very typical experience of someone who's moved around quite a bit yeah yeah I think I I think I made real friends for those seasons um but I don't think I built the skills in kind of maintaining friendships for decades um or anything like that so I finished school and had no idea what to do with my life I think it's pretty unfair to assume that any 17 18 year old does um but paramedicine to be a paramedic sounded like a pretty cool idea and so I went to um Australian Catholic University ACU in Melbourne and studied that for three years and probably a year and a bit in knew that it wasn't what I wanted to do but um I stuck with it because I didn't know what I wanted to do and having some degree under my belt seemed like a good idea. Um, But what I did really enjoy doing in that time um, was getting involved in ministries, getting involved in camps, um, in university um, group, Christian groups. Um, Yeah, I started youth leading at my church. what else I don't know different things and uh, form some yeah really great friendships through that um also like it was just really fun to be an adult be independent have control over my time my family moved into the city and so there's a lot going on a lot of things you can get involved in um music gigs that you can go to and things that you can spend your evenings doing um so I think I defined myself a little more clearly in that I remember a friend who knew me during my teenage years a couple of years after when I was in uni we were trying to catch up and she's like Lauren it sounds like you have a life now I'm like I know I never did before and um yeah kind of it was a big a big shift of going from school into adulthood and I really loved that um yeah and I think I needed to take a lot more ownership of my faith in that time as well. Um, So I really love working with teenagers and young adults now. Um, I think because um, I saw how important that season is when you get that independence and you're asking all these big questions and asking faith things for yourself and um, to be able to do that and have people that you can ask the questions of or see um, faith being lived out through is just really important. Um, yeah. Do you have any anyway. examples of how that impacted on you? Did you go through, did you have any big questions or have somebody that you felt like you could approach with those things that sort of inspired you? Oh, I had so many um, that I think that, yeah, I don't know if there was um, other than my family, I don't know if there was any kind of one person that would have done that the most strongly in that season. Um, I do remember I was leading on a beach mission um, for my first time. And a few months later, the director of the beach mission um, caught up with me and she said, we want you to direct next year's beach mission. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I wasn't I was just looking at what a beach mission is. I wasn't looking at what you were doing as a leader. Like, I don't know how to step into that role. Um, But her kind of seeing 
giftings of leadership in me um, and trust entrusting me with that um, and being there to kind of ask questions to um, was a huge thing. I really value her for that. I think it takes skill to be able to see giftings in people and more skill to trust that God has them and will lead them through those skills and that you don't have to baby them necessarily through it. Um, yeah, but I'm trying to think of particular people that I asked big questions of and it's all good. Probably the way my brain works. It just kind of happens as it happens. If <laughs> I've got something, then I'll just ask the person next to me. Sure. <laughs> come up. That's a very humble approach, um, I think. <laughs> to yeah, just expect the people around you to be somebody good to bounce questions off, I think is a really that's a really healthy thing. So um mm. and it's I mean it's the not as not assuming that you have the right answer, but also not assuming that any one person will and so just mm. seeing how someone else looks at it um and if if that settles well then trialing that for a time but if it doesn't being free to kind of ask someone else and discerning through that process and stuff but also learning about people I really enjoy people and so hearing kind of how people deeply think about some big question even if I don't agree with it I feel like it's really valuable in understanding the person in the process of discerning how did you get to the point of deciding you wanted to work overseas and mm. what did that journey look like for you Ooh. um I I had the blessing growing up um, of getting to go overseas quite a bit, seeing different cultures. Um, and I think that, like, I just really loved seeing how, um, how different, how wide and how diverse the world is and how beautiful that makes it. Um, and then, I mean, coming back to Australia, I'd realized kind of how specific the culture of my family was and how different it was to each of the families around me and so there was always this kind of yeah interest in understanding the person next to me more and recognizing that there were so many differences um that I think harking back a little to what I said a while ago um that takes away some of the like huge difference of if I go overseas and everything is different, like I'm comfortable in this one space because everyone's like me and everyone thinks and acts and talks and comes from the same background as me. I'm like, I don't know if anyone does. So if I go overseas, then it'll be more different, but um, this is different as well. Um, and then, yeah, I went to a lot of camps, especially um, during high school and uni years and ever since kind of. Um, and I think mission is always sort of a like a love of um, the world and a love to see more and more people know Jesus. Um, and I think I have, yeah, the freedom and the access um, and a desire that not everyone has. And so I felt I needed to pursue that and if that wasn't where God wanted me then 
hopefully he would make that really clear and close a bunch of doors. Um, so it kind of started by little by little taking small steps in pursuit of that, um, which was, I did a ministry apprenticeship for two years after finishing at university. So I worked with the uni group there for two years and I just loved getting to talk about Jesus as my job. So I was like, maybe I can continue doing that, but maybe I should go to Bible college if I'm going to. And then I went to a Bible college in Sydney called Sydney Missionary and Bible College, which has quite a heart for the mission field and for overseas mission. Um, and yeah, you kind of just, you constantly hear about what God is doing overseas and what people are doing over there and it normalizes it a bit. Um, and so then I kind of started discussions with uh, mission organizations and God just kind of keeps on seeming to nudge me through open doors. So I'm waiting to be on the mission field or for a door to close kind of at this stage, continuing yeah, so, to take small steps. Yeah. So whereabouts are you at in the process of, um, so you said you're in the process with CMS. Have you, mm. uh, have you been accepted by the organization and are you looking at placements or are you still sort of in the um, application process? Cause my understanding is it can be quite involved. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Every mission organization kind of does things a little different to the next. Uh, so the way that CMS does it is there's a pretty lengthy application process. Um, and then once you're approved for that, you become a missionary in training, which is not yet a missionary. Um, so I'm still, I'm a missionary in training, which means that the first six months of next year, I'll be at a training college that they have in Melbourne. Um, and then after that, um, is kind of when the rubber will hit the road, as they say, a little more. Um, and I'll kind of be tick, 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 if all goes well, to be a missionary on the field. So so what does that process look like? What does which which look part like? of it? The application? <laughs> the, the um, well, the application too, but um, the, the training program at, I'm assuming mm. St. Andrew's Hall um, yes. is the yes. CMS training centre. What does it look like? What is it that you will be doing? That is a great question. If you ask me in three months time, I'll have even more of an idea of how to answer that question. Uh, from my understanding, it's um, so they're aware that like everyone who applies with CMS has been to Bible college. Uh, so there's a foundation that's already of training that's already been done. Um, and what I think St. Andrew's Hall hopes to do is kind of do a lot more practical um, thinking about the mission field. So questions about um, what is it like to be in a foreign place and um, have your concept of the world kind of shaken and how do you deal with that transition, uh, but also you're doing God's work um, and it can be expected that the devil hates that and it can be really hard work. And so how to deal with that kind of um, spiritual hardship or even spiritual attack. Um, I think a lot of the training is kind of understanding yourself better because that's what's gonna influence your ministry the most, um, your quirks and your struggles and your strengths. Um, but also I think conflict is a really big part of what often um, hinders people from being able to do mission well and so it's understanding different conflict styles and understanding how cultural differences impact on that um 
what else? There's a lot of stuff that I'm sure we'll cover. It's apparently pretty intense, six months. Um, but you live um, in the college alongside other people training. And so you kind of form this family together that's about to go to who knows where all across the world uh, to continue to support each other. And Yeah. Fantastic. So where is it that you are hoping to go and what sparked that particular desire? Mm. Um, my hope is West Europe, which is vague. Um, potentially France or Spain. It's kind of where discussions at the moment um, are about. And um, some of the reasoning for that is really practical. So I am a celiac and I have diabetes. Um, so medical things just make some areas of the world much harder mm. to um, do well in. Uh, so I was kind of looking at, yeah, once things got more realistic, I was like, oh, well, I'll start in Europe. And if nothing there kind of interests me, then I can go somewhere else. Um, and then I really love, um, like Latin American food and culture and Spanish language. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe Spain. Um, it's really like, it all just kind of random little things peak up. So sometimes it's like, oh, I'm just interested in this one thing. Maybe I'll follow that route um, and wait for God to kind of make it clear. And if he doesn't, then I'll just kind of keep following different tracks that come up um so I also I love like I said young adults and youth um and I love church work and so CMS was like well France has got a lot of great things happening with that so how about you look into that um so that's kind of where the CMS France specifics have come from yeah so something that's really interesting to me jumping out at me quite a bit is you seem like a very easygoing person. Um, like you say, it's all just, you, you sound very go, go with the flow. You kind of pick up, pick up <laughs> what you need, be the pick up along the way. That I'm currently um, in. It could be, it could be. But um, I. it's interesting to me that you're so go with the flow and you also seem quite tenacious and adventurous. So not everybody chooses to study paramedicine and yeah, you, you didn't um, end up going down that route, but to even have that desire is, it's quite an unusual thing um, mm. in terms of it's quite an intense sort of work. Um, and as I've just found out, you actually have a couple of chronic illnesses and yet you're deciding to move overseas, which I know people who've done that um, very close mm. to me and it's not, not an easy road, very rewarding, but it's, it's a really challenging one as I'm sure mm. you would be very aware what kind of <laughs> what what drives you because um that's a very I mean I'm amazed it's just it it sounds like there's you have a lot of um a, a lot more tenacity than you maybe even realize but do you know where that kind of comes from oh wow um part of it's probably personality I think I've always been quite steady um level-headed so, um, yeah, the, like, I mean, I was diagnosed with diabetes at the age of eight and it's never really phased me all that much. Um, so I think like, I mean, I've asked doctors, it's like, 
this is this is fine to go overseas with this like that's possible right and they're like oh yeah fine I'm like okay great I'm not going to question that um but then like I spent a couple of weeks in Vanuatu doing placement during my paramedics um training and realized that if I was born and grew up there and got diabetes I wouldn't have survived like it's just not possible in that country and so there's a privilegedness to it for sure um kind of yeah being able to be carefree um and go along with things but I think the biggest part is just um trust in God and um yeah and understanding that I don't need to worry about a lot of big things because yeah worrying about them isn't gonna necessarily gain any greater control over them um but if I just trust God then I know that he's got all the control and so yeah that provides incredible comfort um that's probably I mean yeah my faith would be my greatest driving force it gives me so much joy to be able to um do ministry and to talk about him and to um meet people where they're at with his heart for them and I think that makes it possible to make less of my issues and my stresses as well you're still quite young um you're on this journey and um you are sort of just on the cusp of all of this that's about to happen um and I'm, I'm curious when you think about your life in sort of 10 20 30 years um do you have any idea of what you would like to be doing at that point or what you would like to be learning at that point um where you would like to be um as we know mm-hmm. things when when you're on a journey of faith things can change very rapidly and um mm. it's hard to predict but where is it do you have a sense of what you would like at that point in time in any of those points in time um the short answer is no I don't um I don't think that's the way that I was raised to kind of um think to set big expectations for what's ahead but rather just kind of trust the footing that God's got you on now and where he's leading you um I think I mean CMS one of their passions is long-term missionary serving so if God willed for me to be on the mission field for 20, 30, 40 years, that would be awesome. I would love that. Um, reality is that a lot of missionaries don't um, make it that long for various different reasons. So I hope that I can just be continuing to serve him in any way. It might be um, through paid ministry. It might be through something completely random, um, like owning a cafe in the middle of whoop whoop. I don't think I, I want to be doing that, but who knows what God will put in my heart 30 years from now. Um, yeah, no big expectations, but I'm interested. I'm keen to see what God does. Sometimes in the lack of expectations that uh, the, the, the weirdest opportunities can arise and the most satisfying things can arise. So um, yeah, great answer. What is it that you will actually be doing overseas or what is it that you're planning to do overseas Hmm. 
that's almost as defined as the location. <laughs> it's very vague at this point. So that, I mean, usually um, missionaries, when they go overseas, you need to spend a season kind of learning the language, learning mm. the culture. Um, it's really important to invest well in that because um, it will impact on you being able to do good ministry and connecting well with people going forward. Um, but my hope is, yeah, to be able to work through with um, alongside a church in order to reach youth and young adults. Mm -hmm. um, so the church is um, much less defined in a lot of places. And so it might be that there are like three youth and one young adult at the local church. Um, and so it's connecting with those that are there, but then also connecting with those in the community and um, being there to be able to have conversations um, about deeper things, um, just making yeah connections with people, friendships with people, loving them um, and sharing the truth of God and his love with them as well. But the details of what that looks like any more than that is anyone's guess. Totally fair. <laughs> totally fair. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. It'll be really exciting to see where you end up. So thank you so much for joining me on Everyday Saints today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've been listening to Everyday Saints. Everyday Saints is hosted and edited by me, Carolina Cole, with help from Elspeth Kernibone, Michelle Harris, Janan Taylor, and Maya Pilbrow. Graphics by Julian Karajic. If you have a suggestion for our podcast, please email me directly at knicole at melbourneanglican.org.au.